10-3 is brought to you by Callaway. Callaway's new Apex irons are the ultimate forged player's distance iron. Unmatched field distance and control have been forged to perfection to deliver category-defining performance. Callaway's 360 face cups generate industry-leading distance and unmatched feel and will get every golfer's attention. Tungsten weighting in each iron fine-tunes launch, trajectory, and delivers tremendous control. See perfection in every shot with the new Apex at your local golf retailer or visit CallawayGolf.ca and see what makes Callaway the number one irons in golf. Do you want to talk about sex? Who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't want to have sex? Millennials, apparently. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look at why millennials may not be getting busy on the regular and why that's actually kind of a big deal. If you haven't already subscribed to this show, you should definitely do that. We're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever else you happen to listen. Please leave us a rating and a review. Tristan Hopper is a contributor with the National Post. He has a column and video up about why millennials are having less sex. He joins me in studio. So Tristan, what piqued your interest about this study? Oh, uh, this so this is something that's been coming up a, a lot. I think The Atlantic had a cover story about it. So every few months, there's a new study saying, like, the numbers are in. Millennials are doing it way less than almost anybody else in human civilization. Uh, so uh, there was an archives of sexual behavior, uh, which found, like, uh, that millennials were having less sex with fewer people than their baby boomer parents. Um, I think it was a British study that found, uh, like, one th- something really high. It was, like, one-fourth of a 29-year-old, 18 to 29-year-old had not had sex in that entire year, the year of 2018. Wow. So numbers just keep coming out, which fine, which is counterintuitive because you'd think, hey, we're all like freewheeling and, you know, nothing matters. So why aren't the young nubile people doing it? So as someone who has a lot of experience with not having sex and encountering people <laughs> who don't want to have sex with me, I figured I was the best correspondent to look into this because it's very reassuring because, you know, that feeling in high school where you think everybody's having sex except yeah. you. Uh, turns out everybody, that's not true. Everyone who's my age is indeed not having sex. Is that what was so surprising to you? Like the idea, you look at millennials or even post-millennials, and especially in the social media age, it seems like they don't care about anything. Like there's the woman in Toronto who was charged after throwing a chair off a balcony. Like this whole idea that nihilistic existence, and I don't care, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. But uh, when it comes to sex, people aren't doing that. Is that was what was surprising to you? I think it's the other way around with the... Uh, so Gen X, I love Gen X. The older I get, the re- more I realize we need to treasure this scarce resource of Gen X because millennials and boomers are just ruining everything. But uh, yeah, there's a, an expression my wife came up with the other day. Gen X is like, nothing matters, but everything's important. And mm-hmm. then... Millennials, it's uh, everything matters, but nothing's important. I, I, I screwed that up. But anyway, the whole point is, yeah, millennials, uh, I think it's the opposite. They get way too uptight about anything. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's a casting controversy on some superhero movie and they just lose their mind. Um, or there's some, you know, Gillette commercial uh, that's, you know, everybody gets like emotionally invested in this commercial. Gen X didn't do do that. Yeah. They didn't even know how to advertise to Gen X because they didn't care about anything. So I think we need a little more of the not caring about anything, which apparently leads to more sex because they had way more sex than millennials. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm on a, like the the tail end, the last couple years of Gen X. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I, I don't know. Right. Well, j- journalists are just not a good representation <laughs> of the sexual habits <laughs> Of anyone. The most unrealistic thing about all the president's men I was watching is attractive print journalists. Like, and you, you actually see Bob Woodward and uh, Carl Bernstein at that. They're not... Uh, Super foxy. Yeah, they're not no. uh, Robert Redford. And, no. Uh, 
doesn't happen. Very unrealistic. So what has changed about the way people interact, do you think, that is that is seeing people not deciding to interact in the most intimate of ways? So yeah, I was trying to uh, back it up with science. So this, this column isn't just me mouthing off about, you know, why people should have sex or whatever. So I was trying to find hard data on why this might be occurring. Uh, so one thing that came up, I found a sex researcher, Jean Twenge, in the United States, and she had an interesting theory. Uh, she's saying, well, dating has all just we've sort of handed dating over to Tinder and these swipe apps. So I was mm-hmm. married before these swipe apps came in. Uh, but the whole idea is you just look at all the pictures in your area, pictures come up. I think it's swipe rights if you want to have sex with them. And if it's a match, you meet up with them. So she's pointing out the vast majority of the population are not particularly attractive. And I include myself in that. If you've ever been to a mall, just look around. So if you're turning mating into this situation where it only starts if you're attracted to an image of someone, mm-hmm. um, that's going to cut out like 80% of the population. So most of us have to trick people into having sex with us with like, you know, personalities, sense of humor, money, um, et cetera, uh, which don't show up in a Tinder profile. So her theory is if we're all mating on the Tinder, um, anybody who doesn't fit that, you know, to pass the image test, they're just giving up. So how do people go about getting past that oh uh i don't know go to church i guess uh i have a friend actually he's he's relatively secular and he's about my age and he's thinking yeah i think i'm uh just gonna start going to the church to pick up ladies um because he's a good guy but uh, he certainly doesn't pass the image test so we have people who are who are married to their screens who are using those screens to try and meet people and because the bulk of us aren't super attractive. We're striking out. Yeah, that's that's possible. Um, and then uh, the other one, uh, millennials aren't getting married anymore. I think that's probably actually the biggest factor. I should have led with that. Um, so I think I think this is U.S. data. Uh, one of those big Pew research something. I should have brought my stats instead of being like, there's some study somewhere. But anyway, uh, it was 25% of U.S. millennials are on track to never be married. So yeah. one quarter um, will never have one marriage ever. And that's compared to 9% of baby boomers. So this is a quarter of the population, no marriage for them. And say what you will about sex after marriage, but uh, married people usually have more sex than single people. As I, I point out in the story, I mean, you're imprisoned in a house uh, with someone who will eventually get bored and have <laughs> sex with you, sometimes up to once a week. Uh, which, you know, you have to be a relatively promiscuous single person to reach that uh, yeah. that level. Why are fewer people getting married? Uh, ooh, I didn't delve into why they're not getting married. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just the usual millennial reasons. It's old-fashioned and uh, I don't need to and bleh. Those bleh. are good reasons. I don't know. Yeah. So we have dating apps. We have fewer marriages. People are still interested in feeling good sexually. So they may start relying on themselves a little more. Yeah, so yeah, we all have uh, we all have our, our urges. So yeah, this is something uh, you're, you're seeing. Um, moralist crusaders have been saying it for years, so I'm not just going to be parroting their arguments, but you're even starting to see some like, you know, really progressive voices saying like, hey, maybe all the constant porn everywhere isn't a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, very, I've even heard interviews with pornographers saying that. They're like, no, 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 I create a fantasy and it terrifies me that this is how uh, I was actually at a, I went to a pornography convention nine years ago. It was my first story for the National Post and there was a panel meeting and people were saying, no, no, we're making entertainment products. It is terrifying to us and a failure of the school system that most people are learning 
sex from pornography. So mm. they're as scared as anyone, the people making this this stuff. So anyway, uh, yeah, the theory is, since uh, we have porn at our fingertips all the time, my generation is the first generation of men who have grown up and can have our specific fetish in front of us within seconds on our smartphone at all times. As often as you want. As yeah, well, right? it would be unreasonable to assume that's not having an effect. So the hard data point I found... On that is that urology clinics, I think across like the UK, Canada, the US, they are uh, reporting an uptick in young men. So 30 something men showing up and saying, oh, I can't get an erection. Uh, and they're saying, well, what are you doing here? Usually it's 50 plus that yeah. can have the problem with the erection. And they're thinking it's to do with pornography. So you've basically fried your brain for years mm -hmm. looking at your, you know, you're into, you know, I'm into women who are blonde, but they also look like my grandma. And, you know, there's one red stocking and one black stocking. And that's what I'm into. And any real life sexual experience is not going to match that. So they're saying, well, they fried their brain out. And then when it gets to an actual woman, yeah. uh, they, they, can't, uh, they can't get it up. What about the idea that as you said, millennials are like, they're easily agitated or easily offended. How does that factor into it? Oh yeah. So that's also, that's the favorite baby boomer theory. So when I came out with this story, <laughs> all the baby boomers are on, they're like, oh, I don't get off their phone. Lazy, good for nothing. Millennials. No one wants to have sex with them because they hate themselves as much as we hate them. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So I, I tried to find if there's any data to back this up that millennials being uptight and addicted to outrage all the time is having some effect. Because uh, you would think so, intuitively, if uh, you're sort of a laid-back Generation X uh, generation, you're going to be having more sex. So the one data point I could find, which seems to point to a pattern, is OkCupid, a dating site, um, had... Uh, they were ranking uh, sort of the preferences of their members. So anybody who's on OkCupid okay and finding, what did you prioritize in a mate? Mm -hmm. And they found like incredibly large numbers uh, uh, prioritized political affiliation over good sex. So when they're like, what do you want in a mate? And, you know, you say like, okay, well, number one, we have to be sexually compatible. Number two, he's got to be able to cook. Number three, something. And they found that 40% of women on the site, and I think this is just U.S. data, um, prioritize politics over good sex. So, like, he's got to vote for the right party. And then, you know, way below that is uh, the sex has to be good. So, essentially, what you could read from that is even if you're going to have, like, mind-blowing, galaxy-shattering sex with someone, you're not going to do it if you're a millennial uh, because they voted Republican or they voted for Jill Stein. That's wild. Like, Yeah, it doesn't like, make sense, and I think some, some criticism is warranted. I get that people want to be with somebody who may share a belief system, you know, especially if the idea is eventually you may get married and start a family. You want to have someone that shares some baseline beliefs. But does that all have to come down to, like, how you might check a box on voting day? Yeah, especially if it's just for a date, because, you know, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, being intimate with someone who hates you and you hate them and you think all their beliefs are poison and they think your beliefs are poison, that can be very exciting. And uh, I pity <laughs> anybody who hasn't experienced that. Anger sex. Right. Uh, yeah, but you're right. consensual. I'm not. You know, no, of course. Yeah. You just you both think you're terrible people but you're drawn only by your animal urges. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too graphic on this. Uh, Fair enough. media podcast. So like in general... Why do you think it matters that millennials may be having less sex? Like, what's the downside or what's the big deal about... Uh... Oh, the death of the species, I think, would be one of the big ones. So the fertility rate is going down 
as well. So yeah. I'm 32. Uh, my wife is 32, and we have one kid. Mm-hmm. And that, by the standards of prior generations, I mean that's way behind the curve. We should yeah. have had like four kids by now. Um, and s- still, in my friend group, I'm one of the first ones to have a kid. So yeah, fertility rates uh, are dropping, um, which that creates a problem. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you could say uh, all the incumbent problems that attach to sex are also going away. So you've got the death of the species on one side. But on the other side, teen pregnancy isn't really a problem anymore. Yeah. Uh, STDs among young people, uh, I believe, are going down. They're going way up in old people because they're like, oh, I don't have to worry about Because old people are still having sex. Yeah, I don't have to worry about gonorrhea in this <laughs> retirement home. Um, yeah, I think, I think I'm right on that. Uh, gonorrhea is kind of a big yeah, retirement I've, home Yeah, I've problem. seen stories about the increase in, in STIs in in older demographics and baby boomers. But do you think that, I mean, we'd like to think that the teen pregnancy rate and the STD rate is going down because we're educating young people better, but is it just going down because less people are having sex? Uh, Yeah, that might be uh, a good point uh, that it's not related to this increasing abstinence. So I don't know, maybe it's, uh, and then, you know, the super controversial theory, and I couldn't find any uh, data to back this up. As people saying, well, you know, the the Me Too movement, everybody's so freaked out about consent and stuff that they don't want to get into it. So uh, I didn't find there's there's no hard science on that. But you can understand how uh, dating could be seen as intimidating yeah. uh, for someone. So this piece, this video and, and column, part of a series that you've done called Everything Should Be Better? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. If people think it's everything could be better. No, no, no. I'm, it's prescriptive. I'm telling you, if you listen to me, the world would be a better place. And what other kind of things do you touch on? It's usually I try and find topics that matter to no one else except me. But it turns out there's this large constituency of people who secretly had these thoughts and latched onto them. Uh, so the biggest one we've done so far, I think, is Caillou. Just pointing out why Caillou, the show, totally sucks. And the, there was the children's cartoon. Yeah, the Caillou. children's cartoon. So there's millions of people around the world who it's they're they're putting their kid in front of the TV and Sesame Street, high quality entertainment, wiggles, it's got its points, and then this comes on and it's just utter garbage and it turns their kids into <laughs> monsters. But they don't want to seem like petty jerks for complaining, like hating Caillou. Yeah. So I just voice their dark thoughts within them. And then, you know, that took off. And Caillou's everywhere. It's a Canadian creation. And it's 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 like some kind of disease we've unleashed on the world. It's uh, a children's animated Nickelback, uh, in, yeah. a, in a sense. I, well, e- easy to hate, mm-hmm. but very popular. But at least Nickelback, they can play instruments. True. And they, they, they try. I'm, I'm not ragging on Nickelback, but I know that a lot of people don't like them. And they're yes, an easy yes. butt of jokes and anger in Canada unleashed them onto the world. Yeah. Like yeah. Caillou. Yeah. But uh, Caillou, there's just no, there's just full creative bankruptcy there. And this is very rewarding. When that video came out, I was getting emails from some burner account from people who worked on Caillou. And they're like, you're absolutely right. Morale is like in the toilet. We're just cranking these things out. We don't care. It's a money-making operation. You're 100% right. Caillou is, is just nothing. It's air. And uh, one of the biggest fans was Hélène Desputeau, the creator of the book Caillou. So she says <laughs> she created it, the fine children's book. She's a very good illustrator. They're they're interesting. And then the crea- the character was stolen from her. Well, not stolen, but it was taken yeah. and then turned into this horrific cartoon. So she's as horrified as anyone else. So I, I don't really know who's behind it. Everyone seems to hate Caillou, but he exists anyway. So he's kind of like an ethereal evil at this point. Awesome. Well, everything should be better. The series of videos and, and columns from Tristan can be found at nationalpost.com. Tristan, thanks for coming in to talk to me. Thank you. 
10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Thanks to my guest, Tristan Hopper. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>